If you have a copy of God's Word, open them to Philippians chapter 3. This morning we were in Philippians 3, verses 1 to 11. Just to review, I want to read over the text, remind you of the points, and give you two ways of application as we close tonight. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. This is the Word of God. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This morning I had three points. Point number one was be discerning of who you listen to for your spiritual growth. Number two, be certain that your confidence is rooted in the right place. Number three, be ready for Christ to rearrange your value system. Tonight, I want to give us two applications in light of our meditation of this morning's passage. To answer that, or to give you those applications, we need to answer this question. How can we show others that Christ is the surpassing worth, the treasure of our life? In other words, how do we demonstrate that Jesus really is what we are living for. Two points tonight. Number one, share your testimony of God's saving grace in your life. Share your testimony of God's saving grace in your life. And number two, submit all your plans for the future to God's sovereign disposal. Submit all your plans for the future to God's sovereign disposal. Point number one, share your testimony of God's saving grace in your life. Again, Philippians 3, 4 to 6, wasn't the only place that Paul ever talked about his life before Christ. If you ever want to get a brief testimony sketch of the Apostle Paul, you can read passages like Acts 22, Acts 26, 1 Corinthians 15, Galatians chapter 1, 
But I want to show you tonight one of my favorites about how Paul talks about his testimony, and it's in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1. I want you to look at 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 to 17. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Notice verse 12. He says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. A few things I want you to notice so far about Paul's testimony. Number one, he thanked God for what God had done in his life. In other words, Paul wasn't patting himself on the back saying, oh, Paul, you're so good. He wasn't his best encourager. He wasn't the chairman of the Praise Paul committee. No, he praised God for what God had done in him. God made Paul a minister. God made Paul a preacher. God made Paul an apostle. So wherever you're at in life today, whatever you're good at, it is only because God made you good. Whatever you have today is because God gave it to you. Anything worth praising about in your life is because God put it in you. When we share our testimonies, we first and foremost thank God for what he has done in our life. But I want you to notice also verse 13 Paul also remembered who he once was. Look what he says in verse 13. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. That means this. Sharing your testimony should always involve, to some degree, who you once were. Isn't that exactly what salvation means? It means to rescue deliver well the question is deliver you from what (laughs) rescue you from what when you share your testimony a part of the ways that God uses you in sharing it is actually reminding yourself and the person you're talking to where you once were you see as a ambassador for Christ as a witness for Christ we are trying to help people by God's grace get from point A, lostness, to point B, I know the Lord. And one of the ways, not the only way, but one of the ways God uses us is sharing who he once used to be. But beloved, in sharing your testimony, guess what is required of you and I? Our pride has to die. You see, your testimony is not how great you are. Remember how great thou art, not how great I am. In order to do that, you need to paint at least to some degree the blackness of who you once were, and even as a Christian, some of the things the Lord has revealed and upheaved in your own life. So, sharing our testimonies to show off Christ as our treasure should push push us out of our comfort zones to share even some of those skeletons in the closet things that you're ashamed of, things that you have never even told a soul because they are so dark. You might say, why, Blake? Do you want us to relive the past? Does God want us to, like, inflict punishment on ourselves? Is this some kind of odd evangelical purgatory you're trying to introduce? 
Well, no, not at all. Next week, we're going to talk about forgetting what lies behind. But Paul didn't forget who he once was. So we don't live in the past. We don't try to relive the past. We don't try to reenact the past. The past is the past on purpose. We don't live there. But when you are sharing your testimony, you got to start where you once were. And so when we are sharing our testimonies, it's not to relive the past. It's not to allow the past to define us. It's not to condemn us. It's not for us to try to punish ourselves even more. No, it's an opportunity to boast in the grace of God. It's an opportunity for others to see how far the Lord has brought you. I could introduce you to people in my life that would tell you they were somewhat surprised the Lord made me pastor. Look again with me at 1 Timothy 1, verses 13 to 17 as we conclude that section. He says, But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, my challenge question to you and I today is this. Who will you share your testimony of God's grace with this week? Who will you share some of those skeletons in your closet, but also see how God's redeemed those skeletons for good? How God has brought you out of darkness into light. How he has increased your love for him and decreased your love for the world. Who will you humble yourself before and boast in Christ to this week? Share your testimony of God's saving grace in your life. Number two, submit all your plans for the future to God's sovereign disposal. Now look back with me in Philippians 3 again at verses 7 to 11. Philippians 3, verses 7 to 11, you will see, as we saw this morning, Paul mentioned three times as he gained Christ, received Christ, he also gave up things. In fact, three times he says he's lost things. Now, what's interesting is he doesn't even mention what that is in this section, but it's implied that he lost the things he built his life for in verses 4 to 6. So in other words, he lost respect. The Jews who revered and applauded and tooted the horn and said, how great is Paul, how holy is Paul, how awesome is Paul, when Paul said, what I've believed and taught is wrong, and Jesus is truly the way, the truth, and the life. He lost friends. He lost respect in his community. He lost a platform to be heard by those he used to run with. But it's also implied he lost family for this. There are those who debate whether or not Paul was even married at one point. He could vote on the Sanhedrin. You can read more about that in Acts 26.10. And in order to cast a vote, it was required, according to Josephus, a historian of the first century, you had to be married. 
So it's implied that maybe Paul could have been married, but when he became a Christian, his wife left him. I don't know, speculation. But it's certainly implied that anyone that was closely related to him would have cast him off, would have turned their back. They would have said, give me the keys to the house. You can't come back. But when you look in Acts chapter 9, you don't have to go there now. Read about it this week, maybe. We find the story of when Paul came to know Jesus Christ. It's a unique story. I don't think his salvation testimony is repeatable in the Christian life. I don't think every one of us are going to have a light shone out of heaven and the voice of Jesus call us specifically out by name. I don't think that's normative. But I think God wanted to get Paul's attention in such a profound way because he was going to use him in such a profound way. He took a persecutor of the church and made him a preacher of the gospel. Beloved, that's, that's supernatural. That's like an ISIS dictator becoming a Baptist pastor. That's a spiritual terrorist that used to wreak havoc on the church, now giving his life for it. You can't get convinced just over a few counseling meetings to do something. Something greater has to happen in a soul. And that's the God we serve. That's the gospel we believe in. That's why we read and study this book. That's why we send out men and women who believe this message to places where it's dark and the hearts are hard. But because we see Paul as one example of many, we believe we can go at any place, at any time, at any point in the world, and God will honor the proclamation of the gospel. Brothers and sisters, I don't know where you're at in your life tonight, but I want to let you know Paul did not have it on his radar to be an apostle. He did never think he would be sharing the gospel in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra and Derby. And man, we've read Acts 16. He sure didn't think he'd end up in Philippi. But tonight, you might be dealing with a particular struggle, a crossroads of sorts. Maybe you're frustrated in your job, and maybe the Lord's teaching you how to be content. You're in a holding pattern. You're just waiting on the next thing. Maybe the Lord is stirring the pot or rattling the cage, as my pastor back in Georgia used to say, when I was struggling for four years about whether or not to move towards pastoral ministry. He just said, brother, it sounds like the Lord's stirring the pot. It sounds like he's getting you out of your comfort zone and he's making it uneasy because you're going to need confirmation when it gets really hard down the road that I did call you to this. And brothers and sisters, he does the same in your life. It might look different at different points, but brothers and sisters, I don't care if you're 75 or you're 15, never get comfortable with the plans you make for your life. Don't do it. Don't do it. Write your plans in pencil, okay? So God can erase it nice and easy, no pain, and he just writes it back in ink again. Hold your plans lightly for the future. I wonder if when's the last time you asked this prayer afresh? Lord, I want to serve you and I want to be faithful with what you put in front of me. But if there is anything else you want me to do, or pursue with my career or the years left on this earth, my money, my time, 
whatever, give me wisdom, give me wise counsel, and give me eyes to see what you want me to do and the courage to walk in it. You see, just like Paul, we're all called to walk the narrow way. And God does have good plans in store for his people. But those plans almost always involve suffering for Jesus. I want to say that again. When you follow Jesus, you're going to follow him like he followed his heavenly father. The narrow way is the best way, but the narrow way is the hard way. Suffering in this life will one day be turned to glory in the next. But brothers and sisters, God told Paul, you will suffer for my name's sake, but I will give you joy in the midst of it, and I will turn all the evil against you for good in your life. So brothers and sisters, you want to show off? You want to display how Jesus is your true treasure? Above your job, above your spouse, above even your comfort of your home here in Fort Smith, Arkansas? Begin by sharing your testimony with others. Put your pride to death. Pull out some of those skeletons you've hidden. Not to everybody in the world. Don't repost stuff all over social media. Talk to a real human being that you trust and loves you and share. I just want to boast on how far God has taken me. And then secondly, submit all your plans to the future for God's disposal. This past Friday night, Julie and I and the kids went out to the uh, hustling and bustling city of Alma. I had never been to Alma. It was a great first introduction. We uh, roasted some hot dogs at Jackson and Lindsay's house. And uh, after we got to know each other, Jackson said, hey, did you like know you were going to be like a pastor like your whole life? And before I could like flip my uh, hot dog there, Julie goes, pop! <laughs> she just like gasped. And I'm like, well, there's your answer, bro. <laughs> the reality is, brothers and sisters, I'm not going to go into my testimony in depth, but it is a miracle that I'm standing in this pulpit. If you would know the sins I've committed, the things that used to enamor me, the way I treated God's church or tritely his word, I don't know how on earth I am here apart from God's grace. I sure didn't have a pastor on my radar. And I can tell you, as a young kid, if you're here tonight and you're coloring and you're having a good time, I used to be just like you. Coming with my mom and dad. Can't wait to get done with this so I can go watch the game or play a video game. I feel you. You can be a kid, but you're never too young to start following Jesus. That's the most important thing that you can think about tonight. Kids, you're never too young to start following Jesus. It is the greatest decision, the best decision you will ever make with your life. Take me as an example. If God can save me, he can save you. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that you would receive glory for yourself tonight. We pray that you would build your church and use us even this week to share our testimony with others, to encourage them that you are a merciful and gracious God. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.